All right, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Jason Hyde. I'm one of the pastors here. You know, these are strange times that we're living in. Uh, COVID-19 has changed how we uh, experience the world, uh, even how we experience church and how we worship together. Uh, For some, this has uh, become a time of fear and uncertainty, anxiety, and even hoarding. Uh, For some, it has magnified that sentiment of uh, look out for yourself. And so a lot of the things that we kept, that kept us busy, such as all that uh, extracurricular stuff and all that, it's, it's pretty much non-existent now. And yet, with all this stuff that's going on, uh, God is not surprised by any of it. Now, we serve a God who is bigger than all of this. And so this is something I've, I've tried to be intentional about as, as I pray about these circumstances, especially as I pray with my kids about this. God is bigger than the coronavirus. Uh, he is not caught off guard. In fact, uh, Jesus is the great redeemer. And all throughout history, uh, God has always been in the business of taking uh, bad or unfortunate circumstances and turning them into good. And this is God's MO. This is how God operates. Uh, God has never promised to keep us from having to go through hard times or discomfort or pain, but he has always promised to be with us through it. And I don't know why uh, these things are are happening. Uh, We don't have simple answers uh, to these questions as to why this is happening or why God's allowing this to happen. Uh, But I do believe that God has something to teach his people through what's going on. And may we have open hearts uh, to receive it. And so I think it's kind of interesting, uh, even providential in in a way, uh, that all these shutdowns are taking place during this season of Lent. Uh, otherwise known as 40 Days of Focus. And so Lent is all about removing uh, the things that distract us and refocusing our attention on Christ uh, during these 40 days leading up to the resurrection season. And so it's all about reorienting our priorities and our focus. And so in youth, we've been talking a little bit about, uh, before this all happened, we were talking about uh, media moderation. And uh, during this Lent season, being mindful uh, and intentional about spending less time on our phones and electronic devices uh, and spending more time with people. Obviously, that's changed a bit, uh, but more intentional time uh, with God, uh, more time doing other things that are good for us, such as reading or exercise or those kinds of things. And so as it has been, uh, COVID-19 has stripped all of the busyness from us. And some of you who are involved in uh, all sorts of extracurricular Stuff may have thought, well, I don't know what I can remove right now. I feel so busy. And then somehow in this unfathomable kind of a way, within a couple of weeks, all that was gone. And so the question for us now has to be, well, what will I choose to do with this time and space? And I believe that Jesus is inviting us to redeem that time and to reprioritize. And so today we come to Palm Sunday and my son asked me a couple weeks ago when I told him I was preaching on Palm Sunday, he says, are we still going to walk down the aisle, the church aisle, waving the palm branches? And uh, thankfully for the kids' video, we actually had some of that. But with a heavy heart, I, I, I said, no, unfortunately. Uh, this coronavirus is keeping us from doing that as well. But this doesn't mean that Jesus is not the king. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to celebrate and remember that today. And what Palm Sunday is, is a bit of a foretaste. Uh, This story is one of the few glimpses 
that we see Jesus' glory here on earth. And here we see him riding in as the king of peace. And so the very reason that Jesus came was to save his people. The king has come to save his people. And this was not a random thing that Jesus thought would be a cool thing to do. Uh, waving palm branches in ancient times was, a, was an ancient symbol of victory. And Jesus was sending a clear and intentional message about who he is and what he is doing. And so before I say anything more about that, uh, I invite us to read the story together. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. And so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to find that and read along with me. I'll be reading from the ESV, Matthew 21, 1 to 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken, spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Now most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So just a note about the book of Matthew. Uh, every book in the Bible was written with a specific audience in mind. And when we read any book of the Bible today, it's important to be aware of that in order to best understand that book. And so when Matthew wrote his gospel, his primary audience was the Jews. And so therefore, Matthew was always intentional about highlighting many of the ways that Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies because this is something that he knew would really connect with his Jewish audience. And so the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey is found in all four Gospels. Uh, each Gospel writer noted its significance. And the timing of this event is the Sunday before Jesus' death and resurrection. And so the people at the time, they, they certainly didn't know that Jesus would, would be crucified that coming Friday. Uh, but Jesus knew. Now, Jesus knew the circumstances that he was riding into. He saw the plan, and he knew the journey. And the big question that we ask when we read this passage is the same question that everybody else was asking when they saw Jesus riding in. What is Jesus planning to do? What is Jesus planning to do? What's so special about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey? And so to understand the significance of what Jesus was doing, it's important to understand the culture of the time. Because in this scene, Jesus was, in, in a certain way, he was reenacting a piece of Roman propaganda. You see, when a, a Roman king came back from a victorious battle, uh, they celebrated with a parade that would run through the streets of Rome. And so the king would ride on the back of a, a war horse or in a chariot pulled by four war horses, and he would follow this troop of soldiers through the streets of Rome to celebrate this victory. And this display was a reminder to the people of their military power. 
And the parade route would take them right to the temple of Jupiter, where the king would offer a sacrifice for the victory that they believed their God, Jupiter, provided. And so in this passage, when Jesus enters Jerusalem in a similar manner, but on a donkey, he is sending a message. See, riding on a donkey was a sign of peace. And Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Uh, The Jews living during the time of Jesus were desperate for a Savior. They were desperate for someone who would rescue them from this Roman occupation. And in the previous couple of hundred years, there had been a a few failed revolts. And so the people continued to hope for that day uh, that their promised Messiah would come and rescue them. Uh, Possibly with that same kind of grandiose flair uh, of, of the Exodus. Right, that was what they were hoping for. That was their expectation. They wanted to see Jesus ride in on a war horse. And while Jesus could have done that, uh, he could have conquered in such a way. However, we discover that Jesus had a different plan in mind altogether. Uh, what is Jesus planning to do? Something much bigger. Something so much bigger. So let's read together again verses 6 to 11. And I invite you to imagine this scene. I find this always a helpful practice, so I invite you to close your eyes. If you find that helpful, put yourself on the street in the scene. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up and saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so, to add a bit more context to this uh, story, uh, putting cloaks on the ground or spreading palm branches on the road before someone was akin to laying out the red carpet for someone, right? It was a way of showing honor and respect. And so the crowd did not fully understand the significance of this event. However, they did seem to be acknowledging that this person, Jesus, is the promised son of David who had come to grant them salvation. So both their actions and their words express honor in Jesus who they believe at last is finally presenting himself publicly as their king. And so the people were shouting, Hosanna! which means, save us, we pray. It's taken from Psalm 118, and this was a word that came to be used as a word of praise and petition. And as they enter Jerusalem, the whole city is stirred up, and the people are asking, who is this? Now, some would genuinely not have known who Jesus was. Right? There were no TVs back then. There were no billboards. There were no posters. The internet wasn't around back then. So Jesus, he'd also intentionally stayed out of the limelight and the big cities. So some would have simply not have known who Jesus was or what he looked like, although I'm sure they had heard his name. At the same time, the question that they're asking also has, they're also asking, is this our long-awaited Messiah? Is this who this is? Unfortunately, it would only be a few days later when the people would turn their backs on Jesus and yell, crucify him. And so what Palm Sunday is, Palm Sunday is a bit of a foretaste A victory is coming. Palm Sunday reminds us that the reign of Christ is far greater than anything 
any person could ever conceive of or plan. And the people were looking for, for someone to fight their battles in the present time. Right? They had expectations. Uh, the people were crying out for a savior, a deliverer, someone to rescue them. The people had expectations. The disciples had expectations. In fact, when we read this story, we too have expectations. Mind you, we know how the story ends. But for all of us, the crowds, the disciples, even for us, we leave this passage with a, a certain sense of disappointment because in a way, specifically for the people at the time, uh, their expectations are not fulfilled in this passage. Victory is coming, but not yet, and not in the way they expect. Jesus had plans that were so much bigger than any of them could have ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. The victory that Jesus had in mind would, would shake the foundations of all eternity. And so this is what Jesus does. Uh, he exceeds our expectations. And we come with a, a sense of uh, hope and expectation. And when we are open to his ways, what we discover is that he gives us more. And when the disciples were battling the storm of their lives on the Sea of Galilee, uh, they realized they'd finally met their match. So out of desperation, they wake up sleeping Jesus. Uh, how he's still sleeping, that's a separate question. But they wake him up, who's a carpenter, and they say, help us, we're going to drown. And Jesus blew away their expectations, not by helping them manage the boat in the storm, but by calming the sea. How's that for a, a blow your expectations away kind of a moment? Uh, when the, the bleeding woman in Mark chapter 5, when she heard about Jesus, she concluded in all of her desperation, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And she wasn't just healed. Uh, Jesus met her. Uh, he accepted her. And she received relationship and healing that went so far beyond her physical ailments. When Lazarus got sick, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus to come and heal their brother. But when Jesus did not come to heal Lazarus, he eventually died and their expectations were shattered and they were filled with disappointment. And then they began to doubt Jesus. Why didn't he come sooner? Why didn't he heal our brother? Does he not care as much as we thought? And then... Jesus did something that so exceeded any expectation they had, he raised their brother Lazarus from the dead. All right, this is, this is Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is our expectation exceeder. If I am honest, I have questions about this season that we are in right now. Uh, honestly, there are some days I feel uh, quite discouraged. Uh, there's a lot of disappointment right now. Uh, and these feelings of discouragement and disappointment are real. Uh, there are, you know, trips are being canceled. Uh, grad is uncertain. Uh, sports seasons are canceled early. They didn't have conclusion. Uh, the Jets didn't have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, at least not yet. Now, my kids, they miss school. Uh, they miss their friends. I miss our weekly youth nights, right? I miss meeting people. I miss spending time with my extended family. My friends, I miss our times of corporate worship together on Sunday mornings. 
I miss playing sports and going out. Uh, for some people, this will obviously hit them so much harder yet. Uh, jobs are being lost. Uh, things are getting tight financially. And I realize that all things considering, we still have it pretty good here in Manitoba. Others around the world are struggling so much more yet. But there is disappointment here nevertheless. And it is okay. It is even good for us uh, to express this, to process this, and to pray about this. And then you add this uncertainty of not knowing how long this is going to be this way for. Um, but the psalmist says in, in the second half of Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Our hope rests in the truth that Jesus is Lord over all of this. And so I have, I have certain expectations uh, and hopes of what will come out of this season of COVID-19 and our present circumstances. And I don't know to what extent, um, but this is where I reach out in faith. You see, the easy prayer request for us to pray is that God would lift this virus uh, and would bring a quick cure or vaccine. All right, this way we can get back to our, our normal life uh, really soon. Uh, my son asked me uh, last week, why doesn't God just take the coronavirus away? Right? And this is an, it's an honest question. Or he's processing the disappointments in his life. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but I do believe that God will use this time for good somehow and some way. Right, we have expectations, but our God is the expectation exceeder. And what if, what if God has something far bigger in mind? What if God has something really big for the church in this time? And so the question we must ask ourselves is are we open to what God has for us? Are we open to what God wants to do? How he wants to reveal himself in this time? Are we open to what God has to teach the church in this time? Are we open to the people God is drawing to himself in this time? You see, the Pharisees and the Jews at the time, they were not open. Uh, they were very much closed to God's greater plans. They had a sense of tunnel vision and they had a narrow view of who the Messiah was, how he would come, and what he would do. But God had something so much bigger in mind than just simply politically overthrowing the Romans. Uh, Jesus had eternity in mind. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus would fight the greatest battle and conquer forever sin and death. And so to this day, 2,000 years later and beyond, uh, those who trust in Jesus for their hope and salvation can be forgiven we can find hope and peace and renewed purpose both today and forever. Therefore, may we not be like the unbelieving Jews who were close to God's greater plans. And even in this time of, of COVID-19, I believe that God has something so much bigger for us than simply our inconvenience. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I do want to be open. Over the past couple of years, I've incorporated a time of journaling in my devotional time with God. And this has been especially beneficial in the last few weeks as I've been processing all this stuff and these changes. But this is the prayer I wrote on Tuesday. God, your ways are higher and greater than mine or any other person. Open my eyes and my heart to what you want to do in and through me and the church. May we be open to you, O oh God. 
Right? We don't know uh, what things will look like in July or September or even next year. Um, maybe, maybe through this, God will give the church a, a new appreciation for, for what it means to gather together in community and worship God together. Right? It's been four weeks now, and I long to be with you soon. Maybe by stripping away all the things that kept us so busy, maybe through this God has in mind to reorient our priorities and our goals and to refocus on what's really important. Or maybe through this we take this space that's been carved out for us and we invest it in deeper relationship with God. Maybe through this time, our devotional time comes alive in a brand new way and we learn to pray so much more heartfelt. Maybe through this, God will teach us how to think of others ahead of ourselves. Right, that would really contrast this idea of hoarding. Maybe this will lead us to be more intentional with people. Right, if I had said to you two months ago, imagine what your life would look like if you weren't so busy. And if you didn't have all those extracurricular things going on, if you had lots of family time, uh, if you were working less, right, how many of you would say, ha, that's impossible. But that day is here. And so maybe, I recognize all the difficulties and all that stuff going on, but through that all, maybe in some ways, God is also offering us a little bit of a gift. Now imagine what we can do with that. Jesus loves the church. Jesus is for the church. All right, this is true for every one of you as well. Jesus loves you. He is for you. God has good things in store for the church. But as we can see uh, through Scripture and throughout all of church history, these good things often come through times of trials and testing. I'm reminded of a couple of verses on this note. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. In Romans 8, verse 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We do not know how this will all turn out, uh, but of this we can be sure. God is greater, his ways are higher, he is trustworthy, and when we are open to his ways, he is the expectation exceeder. As we remember Palm Sunday this morning, uh, as we look ahead to Good Friday and to Resurrection Sunday, uh, may we all be reminded that victory belongs to the Lord. And regardless of everything that's going on, regardless of how this season of isolation, uh, sickness, and difficulty will affect us, how it will affect our families, how it will affect our country, uh, even the world, there is one thing that we can be certain of, and that's that Jesus is King and He is the victorious one. Right? He is the Lord over all of our circumstances. And so what are your expectations in this season that we're in? Remember that our God is the expectation exceeder. And so let us look to our God, our Lord and Savior, in hope and faith. Are you open to what the Holy Spirit desires to do in us and through us during this unique time? When Jesus first came to us 2,000 years ago, he came as a suffering servant. But he is also our king. And when he comes again, he will come as the conquering king. Right? He is our king of glory. He is the resurrection and the life. 
Jesus is our hope. He is the Prince of Peace. He is our source of peace. May we be open to Jesus and what he desires to do in us and through us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that you are Lord over all things and that you are not caught off guard and by our present circumstances. We thank you, Lord, that you are the King. And Lord, as we look ahead to Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, Lord, may we be reminded of that. May we live in hope and in faith that you will do good through this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.